Good afternoon and welcome back to the EJS show on the Liberty Block with Ed, Jody and Steve. This show is being recorded live and will be available within a few hours as a podcast, which can be found on iTunes and SoundCloud by searching for the Liberty Block. Hey, Ed. Hey, Jody. How's everybody? Hey, Steve. Hey, Jody. Everybody. Ed is good. Hi, guys. I'm good. Sunny out where I am, so that always helps. <laughs> I just want to mention a couple things, and then you guys can have all the content for this show. Um, I want to talk about our sick or not sick president. And the two things that I want to mention is, A, this unbelievable situation where the liberals are saying his sickness is a lie in both directions at the same time. Either the whole thing is a hoax and he's not really sick, or he's dying and he's lying about that. And it's interesting because somebody actually came over to me personally the other night who detests Trump and said, come on, don't you really believe this whole thing is a fake? He's not the least bit sick. He's doing this to get out of the debates. I mean, what? Yeah, that, that's, that's, <laughs> that side of the lie is that Trump is trying to get out of the debates by pretending he's sick and he's not really sick at all. The other side of the lie is that he's really dying and he's lying about that. And according to, I think, Daniel Greenfield, or one of the articles I put up before, they're believing both sides of this at the same time. And that drives me crazy. And the only other thing I wanted to mention about this all is I'm still the end of the John Wayne generation. I may be the oldest of the three of us. And I remember when you survived something and you came out of it and you overcame it and you were proud of that, you were a hero and everybody looked up to you. And today with so-called toxic masculinity, the world is upset that Trump seems to be beating a disease and telling everybody don't be so afraid. And to me, that's one of the most unbelievable things. I have seen several commentators who, who hint at this and allude to this. It blows the mind how in one generation or one lifetime, we go from, um, I don't know a better word, making heroes out of heroes to making goats out of heroes. So those are really my two points. Jody, have a comment? No, I, I listen, in, inconsistencies, are really one of the hallmarks of the left, in my opinion, in my observation. Um, like I said, I used to be liberal, although the more I learn about the mentality and mindset and how these people function, and I hate to say these people, but I really do, there, there really is some sort of bizarre mentality that precludes them really from any sort of internal uh, conversation to pick out these inconsistencies. And so watching the, the things happening with these things with Trump, it doesn't surprise me. Um, but it's also one of the reasons why I say now, I have never been a liberal in the sense of contemporary modern day liberals in America where self introspection, where uh, caring about inconsistencies and hypocrisy is absolutely irrelevant. It appears absolutely irrelevant. Hypocrisy is not a bad thing. It's not even something to notice. I, 
in inconsistencies. Logical and moral inconsistencies are irrelevant. Only how I feel in this very moment right now is the only thing that matters. It's bizarre to me, and I definitely was never that, ever. And as a parent, Jody, and I'm going to ask you also as a parent, Ed, and as an expert on a whole bunch of other things, when you're raising kids, and a bunch of us have raised or are raising young teens, um, don't you want them to emulate the strong person who overcomes rather than the one who hides behind? Well, let me let me start with a couple of things. I'll get back to your question. I, I think the first thing that I want to say is that when these people on the left are using words and using language, they don't use it for the same reason that you and I, that we do. When we, when we use words and we communicate with each other, our purpose is to communicate truth. Their purpose is to use words as tools to elicit a certain response in the, in the listener. And typically their goal is to bully and to, to use language to either get you to do what, you, what they want you to do or to silence you. So that's why they're not concerned by hypocrisy because they're not interested in what the truth is. They're only interested in what works and what gets them what they want. Mm -hmm. um, you know, I think it was Alinsky that said, the issue is never the issue. The issue is always the revolution. And that's how these people operate. They only use words to try and further the revolution, further their political goals. And if they have to lie to, to, to get what they want, they will lie. If they have to bully you, they will bully you. Um, they are not, they're not bothered in the least by inconsistencies and it, they don't even bother trying to explain them. And it's not because they value hypocrisy. It's because they value the revolution and they value their political goals. And, uh, so they don't, they, they're not concerned by the fact that inconsistent statements take you further away from the truth. You and I, all three of us are bothered by that, but for them, they're not concerned with the truth. They're concerned with obtaining power and, and getting us to do what they want us to do. Um, Ed, Ed, excuse me a second. I think we're gonna end the show early. And the reason we're gonna do that is what you said is so profound that I don't think we can beat it anymore today. I, what you said that they don't use words to communicate, they use it as a tool. Mm -hmm. um, if I were into tattoos, I'd tattoo that one. I, I wrote it down, words as tools versus truth. I wrote it down. I I, Ed, I love it. So now you got a high bar for the rest of the show. All right, um, well, let's see, let's just go through. I, I'm not taking notes, so I, I have to remember all the things I wanted to say. Um, as far as, you know, the accusations that Trump was faking this to get out of the debates. I don't believe that he was faking it, but it, if he were faking it, it wouldn't be to get out of the debates. It would be to generate the kind of sympathy, the kind of John Wayne thing that you were talking about, Steve. Um, if, he were if he were faking it, it would be for the purpose of demonstrating to the American people what he said in his video, in his video message when he left the hospital, namely, don't be, uh, don't be intimidated. What was his word? Don't be. Um, don't, don't fear dominated. it. Don't be. Don't be dominated by this virus. And you know it's time to open up our economy and open up our society. Um, and I mean I don't believe that he was faking it, but I think that that was the right message. And that's that's the message that's coming out. 
Um, and I think that the people on the left are really threatened by that because they need the cover of a panic to, to accomplish some of their goals. It's sort of a variation on the don't let a Christ, never let a crisis go to waste. And they're trying to prolong this crisis and deepen this crisis for as long as it takes for them to get what they want. And what they want is power. They want to steal this election or they want to, uh, they want to win this election by hook or by crook or however way they're going to do it. Um, they see this pandemic as a tool and a means that they can use to win this election, to suppress conservative vote, um, to uh, have courts extend deadlines for receiving votes. And once they know how many votes they need, they can go and, and create as many as they want. I got my ballots, I got my ballot in the mail a couple days ago. And the first thought I had, well, if somebody wants to counterfeit ballots, now they know exactly what they look like and they know exactly how to do it. And a foreign power could do it, a domestic entity could do it. Um, you know, how we can control for that, I don't know. Um, voter rolls are public records. So you can find out who are Republicans registered in a particular jurisdiction. And all you have to do is counterfeit ballots for those Republican names and just put in a duplicate ballot. And if the Board of Elections can't figure out which is the real one and which isn't, they're gonna throw them both out. Or, wow. you know, or you know, they can put one for Biden and one, one for, for Trump and you negate the Trump vote if they tried to count them both. I mean, you can effectively negate the Trump vote by doing that. So again, I think that's what's, what's going on. Um, I agree with you, Steve, when you say, uh, you know, there was a time when coming through a crisis was, you know, made you into a John Wayne kind of hero. Uh, the left doesn't want heroes. The left doesn't want independent people. And that's why they mock and they try and shame anyone who either is a hero or who reveres Trump for whatever form of heroism they see in him. Um, the left doesn't want independent people um, that, you know, on a cultural level, they there's this goal of mainstreaming insanity. And we see it in, in many, many areas of life. Um, you know, they've closed mental hospitals in the last 30 and 40 years. Um, and where are those people going? They're mainstreaming people that were mentally insane and they're putting them on the streets. They are mainstreaming the view that you can be, that a man a 40-year-old man can say he's a six-year-old woman, or a six-year-old girl. Um, you know, in, in, past, in, in past years, people with a sincere belief that, they were the, that, that he or she was the king or queen of England was deemed an, an, an insane person and committed to a mental hospital. Today, those kinds of beliefs are treated as normal. And I don't think that that's just by accident. I think it's again, for the purpose of mainstreaming insanity, because insane people need help. I mean, they can, they can put them on the street, but they can't change that reality. And once you get people that need help, well, the left, that's a tailor-made constituency for the left. They want people who need help. They don't want heroes. They don't want independent people. They don't want people who can survive on their own. 
and they're going to try and mock and shame anyone who's, who claims to be such a person and make those people try and crawl under a rock. Again, it's not about facts. It's not about whether something is better or worse for life. It's about advancing their own political power. And independent people don't advance the political power of the Democrat Party. Needy, uh, needy people who can't survive without government help advance the, gov advance the goals of the Democrat Party. And that's the kind of people the Democrats are going to champion. And this is why, I mean, they've attacked, quote unquote, rugged individualism for so many years. And yep. they flipped at least half the country into severely devaluing rugged individualism. You know, the cowboy is the, is the most horrible person that there could be. And I just, that's why I really wanted to point that out because we value victimhood over strength and heroism. And God forbid if we were ever in a real war or if those people were in a real war, we'd be in real trouble. Anyway, I don't want to beat that one to death, but I think it's just a, a point worth making, especially as you're raising children. I want my children to be the kind who are heroes and overcome and don't need to brag about it rather than, oh, poor me, I got a cold, I need to stay out for two weeks, et cetera, et cetera. You know, it's really bizarre and tragic that a leader who is positive and optimistic and not stoking fear is considered bad now to our mainstream media and the left. As he's, if, he's a super spreader. It's, you know, and this is not new. This is not the first time that he has, you know, lead, led, tried to be a leader from a non-fear-based perspective, and he's attacked for that. I find that truly bizarre, especially now, you know, uh, uh, three weeks into this, four weeks into this, everything was different. But at this point, seriously, the continued stoking of fear is so irresponsible um, and uh, dangerous. It's just... Well, you know, it's like what I was saying before, you know, I'll give you a quote from from Ayn Rand, who's my favorite writer. You know, she says, you know, one of her, her evil villain characters says, uh, never examine a folly, only ask what it accomplishes. And that's what that's what you need to do here. You're you're, yeah. you're once again, you're invested in what's the truth. The truth is this isn't a particularly harmful virus mm -hmm. for most people. Yes, it has killed some people. Yes, it can be dangerous. It's not like it's zero, a zero threat, but you're focused on that truth. That's not what these people on the Democrat left side are interested in. They're not interested in the truth. Right. They're interested in how can this fear, how can fear of this virus be used to increase their power and to uh, take away the power of, of their political opponents. And that's why I don't think it's, it's not an accident that small businesses have been shut down, but big box retailers are open. Mm -hmm. It's not an accident that uh, liquor stores are closed, but churches uh, that are open and churches are closed. The, the lockdowns are aimed directly at Trump supporters and, and conservatives. And the, the businesses that are open are largely Democrat businesses. Small businesses tend to be more private individuals, rugged individualists, they tend to be more Republican and conservative, whereas the Democrat Party has made great inroads into corporate America, into the corporate boardrooms, mm -hmm. and they dominate those big corporations. That's the Democrat constituency. Well, they're allowed to open. Whole mm -hmm. Foods is open, but 
you know, your local mom and pop store is, is, has been closed. And that's well, not an accident. You know, Ed, I, at some point, that reality is going to actually sink into my brain, but it is so disturbing to me how many people, grown adults, and I have conversations, I have a lot of debates, I don't, I, I have discussions. I shouldn't say a lot, but often enough that I see, the way I see um, grown adults in this country now who refuse to put the weight on facts, logic, and reason, you're right. I, 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 I'm, 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 I'm not looking at it the right way because I can't. It's too scary to think how many grown adults in this country no longer have any reasoning. No, the, the sentient reasoning is over for so many. And I can't wrap my head around it. How is this possible? Well, how did we get here? When I, I went to the University of Michigan, right, believing in my youth that we had evolved that we were seekers of truth and reason, that the age of enlightenment was real and upon us, and that, you know, uh, not just truth, but peace and love, all of these wonderful things were real. And at 51, I'm faced with reality that none of that, none of that was who we are or where we're going. It's just what I believed. It's so hard to wrap my head around that. I Well, I mean, let me just say this. I, I think they are sentient beings and I think that they are interested in reason. If you listen to them, they can logic their way through their arguments and through their positions. They just start with faulty premises that are disconnected from reality. That is then, not my experience. For example, I'm just, I'm just saying the reasoning part, I'm not seeing it by and large. I see, uh, I see emotional attacks. I see strange rhetoric. But reasoning to me would follow logical parts and pieces. You wouldn't just completely ignore and obliterate important evidence and sort of just, and multiple times, basically I've been told, I don't have to ever substantiate my claims. I, I, it is irrelevant for me to substantiate and your claims don't matter. That is not reason. There are people that do that, but there's also a lot, you know, look, you know, even look at the lockdowns. They'll, they'll start with the premise that this is a dangerous, that this is a dangerous virus. Okay. And they're disconnected from the facts of whether it actually is or not. They just take that as their given. And if it, if we did have a, you know, a bubonic plague type situation, well, then maybe it might be justified to shut down churches. It might be justified to have people stay in their homes. I mean, I'm not sure. I mean, I don't know what the science would say about that, but maybe it is. And they're, they're arguing as though it were, and they're, they take one logical step after another, and that's why we are logically moving towards dictatorship. We're not moving randomly. We're moving towards dictatorship, and that's because these people are still guided by reason. They're not just acting randomly. They are, you know, it's not like they're just spraying bullets in the air. This is moving in a definite direction and you can clearly see where it's going. I think I, I must have a different understanding of what reasoning reason is because reason to me in my mind wouldn't go down that path to begin with. Reason would engage facts and it, so it wouldn't even go down that irrational, unreasonable rabbit hole 
because reason would preclude that from happening. So if you start with the premise that this is a very dangerous virus, and look, I'm going to start with the premise that it's a dangerous virus for, for many people, but it's not a dangerous virus for everyone. For the vast majority, it's not dangerous. They can't, if you could start with the premise that it's a dangerous virus and then reason your way with facts to, but it's not dangerous for everyone, this is not, you know, then go down. But for me, it's not reasoned, reasoned, intellectually right. reasoned to start with, it's a super dangerous virus and then go down the, and we all should, you know, stay in our homes and all the irrational stuff that follows to me is not reason. Right. Let me try it like this. You're, you're right about that, but let me try it a different way. Rationalization is not something new. This is not something that's new to 2020. Okay, I'll give that. That's true. Right. right. You know, a rationalize, people who rationalize are not acting rationally. They are using rational, you know, logical processes to try and advance what are actually irrational premises. And you know, I'm not saying that every that rationalization explains it all, but I think it explains part of it. I mean, another part is just, you know, rationalism more generally in a philosophical sense, where you just debate about, you know, quote unquote principles without ever connecting those principles to real world facts. Yeah. Um, so, um, you know, you're right that it's not rational to be a rationalizer. It's not rational to engage in rationalism. Um, reason starts with perception. Reason starts with the evidence of the senses, with looking outward, seeing outward, hearing, feeling, touching, and, and using the evidence of your senses and building on that. That's not what these people are doing because the evidence of my senses is that we have a problem, but it doesn't seem like it's any worse than you know, the normal flu that we have. Um, it, it affects different people in different ways, um, but the numbers are not that much worse than a bad flu season. You know, at even asking the question, though, even even going further and saying, so what does the what does the science say? What does the data show? So many grown adults these days, they can't even go there. They they can't go past what this media narrative of fear. They it. it this is the part that I find inexplicable in what should be a, an evolved age of reason and enlightenment. How did we, maybe this is an epox upon our education system, but how did we get here with so many adults who can't logic and reason? I've noticed That's that most of these people, they whether it's, the virus or if it's climate change, they cloak all their bogus claims in science. They say the science says this, the science says that. They cloak them, they have an authentic or maybe it's a pseudo respect for, for science and logic and reason. Um, you know, they're not advocating direct irrationality the way, you know, the communists and the Nazis and, and other uh, totalitarians of the past have. Um, they still pay ode and pay homage to reason and they try and cloak their claims in reason. But you're right. You're hundred percent right that they're not rational at That's all. That makes it so insidious and frightening because 
Well, especially with science, number one, when, when you refuse to allow scientific debate, now it's not really science, which is where we are, right? So it's, I can't even say they're using science. They're abusing science. They've corrupted science. It might be the word science that they're using. It's like Antifa, right? It's not actually science that they're using. They're using word science. The word science is their sell, is their selling point, is science says. Science says a lot of things about a lot of things a lot of times, and it's a moving, a fast-moving ball, thank God. Um, But it always requires debate. Always. Well, and to say that another way, the science is never settled. Science is always open to new evidence and new facts that might be brought forward. So anyone that says the science is settled is not a scientist. But notice Antifa is supposedly anti-fascist, but they are fascists themselves. Once again, this goes back to the first point that you and Steve both like so much. They don't use words to communicate truth. They use words to intimidate and as tools to achieve their purposes. And it's, and it's just, that's the way they operate. I just, it's just, I don't know. At some point, I, 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 it is so true. I, I, I experience it off so often that I, it distresses me, but I don't get it. I never will. I will always think, I, I think I'll always in my heart be fighting it, that it's not true. Like if I just, if you would just reason a little bit, if you, I, it's going to be forever, maybe never. It, I, it's so scary and so bizarre. I don't understand it. I don't understand grown adults. You never encountered someone that you knew was rationalizing. I mean, whether it was one of your kids or or some friend that was rationalizing some awful behavior. I can understand it to small degrees, but to the degrees that I see it now, to the but in rationalizing for the sake of rationalizing in a moment, but in a debate, in a discussion, and and uh, rationalizing out truth or evidence and rationalizing out uh, any requirement that you produce truth or evidence or substantiating data to support your claims. That's the parts I find so bizarre I can't wrap my head. Grown adults who refuse to process uh, factual information and, and, and fight facts with facts. Sure, you can bring forward and you can say, well, my facts show this and we can banter back and forth, but that's not how it goes. That's the bizarre thing. Jody, if, if, I, if I try and get you to do something based on a proof that I gave you, my power is dependent upon the strength of my proof. If I can get you to do something that we both know is a lie, there's no way for you to combat it. There's no, that, I mean, that's the whole point. It's all about power for these people. I know. And, you know, they... They're, you know, I mean, 1984, the same thing. If the party says two plus two is five, it's five. And it's not because it in fact is five. It's because once they make you believe that, and once they make you able to say that, they can get you to do anything. And believe that's the and point. fight for it. Huh? That's, believe it and fight for it. So now you become one of the troopers saying, of course, five is five, you racist, if you don't believe that. I mean, well, yeah, and I mean, you know, Lenin and Stalin were the same way. I mean, I, I've got this article that I should share with you off offline. You know, Lenin and Stalin both 
understood that the bigger the lie that you could get people to believe, the more power you had. And that, and, and if you looked at Stalin's purges, Stalin went after some of the most loyal communists. Why was that? The reason was the most loyal communists were the ones that could point out the contradictions of the terror and of what was going on. So they needed people that weren't committed to truth the way you and I are committed to truth. Because in truth, Stalin and Lenin were monsters. So anyone who was faithful to the truth, even as a true communist, was a threat to them. And that's why pur they purged even the most, and especially the most loyal communists, because they needed people who were so scared that they would do whatever they were told. And if you, if you have fidelity to the truth, that, that competes with fidelity to the party. And that's, I mean, the Democrats aren't quite there yet, but that's the way they're going. They, it's fidelity to power. It's fidelity to the power of the Democrat party. And if you have fidelity to truth and facts, that is a threat to the party anytime the party wants to do something or accomplish something inconsistent with the facts. So that's why they're, they're opposed to, the, to facts and, and truth the way that you're perplexed. It's because they, they can't tolerate any com competitor to their power. Oh, I'm going to move the discussion on because I think this discussion is a meta discussion and it's going to sit right behind any topic we discuss. And I know Jody was going to bring up the whole declassification and crossfire hurricane issue, which I'm going to let her ask her questions about. And I think this discussion is always going to be relevant. The fact that nobody gives a hoot what the real truth might be. It's only about what we can pummel you with. So, Joe, do you want to go it's ahead? Nobody, Steve. It's the people, it's our opponents on the left that don't care about it. Right. Right. Go ahead, Jody. Yeah, I'm looking forward to returning to that. But my, okay, I have not been following this, the whole uh, Russia gate hoax stuff. I've followed bits and pieces here and there, but it it's a fast moving ball. There's a lot of complicated pieces. So, I'm very ignorant on this subject, um, but my question as it stands right now is why declassify now? Why not before? Why, like, why, why wasn't this declassified if it could have been a long time ago and we could have been privy to Im this information before? That's the million dollar question, Jody. Where is the, the Durham report? Where are the indictments? I mean, before Trump was even elected, let alone inaugurated, he was chanting, lock her up. What has he been waiting for? What has his Justice Department been waiting for? The, this was an attack on him personally, not just on us as a society and not just on conservatives. This was an attack on him. He supposedly takes things personally. What the hell has he been doing? I don't know. I, I wish so, I had a good answer for you. So I, I believe I have followed it relatively closely and I'm unbelievably frustrated about all of your questions. And part of me is learning more and more about this deep state business that I've always assumed that if the president of the United States orders anyone to do something, it's as good as done. And now I, I think we see more and more the president of the United States can order anything he wants. And if somebody way down the chain chooses to ignore it, nothing will happen. 
I mean, it was a long time ago when he told Barr that anything in the world you want to release, you can release. That's got to be like six months ago, maybe even more. So I'm at the point where I think if the president says, I absolutely order everybody to release anything in any way related, they can just ignore him. And if he fires them, you end up with a Saturday night massacre. So that the president, who I used to assume was in charge of the executive branch, is actually powerless. That's my cynical uh, thought from all of this. And it doesn't make me happy. Well, I mean, I don't think he's quite as powerless as you say. I think that the deep state issues that you raise are valid and true and exist. Um, but the president has not pushed this. And I don't know if he, th if he thinks he's going to get an October surprise moment out of it. I don't know if he's expecting to, you know, drop a bombshell a week before the election. I don't know, but the election's already happening. I've got my ballot. I could vote today if I want to. So I, I don't know what he's waiting for. Um, you know, I'll just throw this out as, as almost an aside comment. I, I think that the problem with the deep state traces all the way back to Grover Cleveland and civil service reform. I think we might've talked about this in one of our prior shows, but if we didn't, I'll, I'll just say for, for our listeners, I, I think that that's, that civil service reform of the 1880s is something that needs to be revisited and revised. Maybe the solution to deep state problems is to reinstate the spoil system and let the president come in and fire all these bureaucrats and let him replace them with his own bureaucrats. And then he can get things done and he doesn't have to deal with this kind of insubordination that you're describing, Steve. Well, what I'm saying is, you know, let's take Christopher Ray, for instance, the head of the FBI that supposedly Chris Christie got him to hire. I would have wished he would have fired him a year ago because he's probably covering up every bit as much as James Comey is. But the president de facto cannot fire the head of the FBI. The press will absolutely destroy him. They'll impeach him, et cetera, et cetera. And I really think he has far less power because of the press than we should have a right to assume that he does. Well, I mean, the press power, I think, goes traces to a different source. And I think that that traces to New York Times versus Sullivan, the 1964 case that basically made it impossible to sue the media, or at least for public figures to sue the media. Um, I think that needs to be revisited. But um, I share your frustration. I, I you know, I mean, what, what can the president do? If he orders somebody to do something and they refuse to do it, what can he do? Well, you know, Trump is a good, he's, he's a good example of what can be done. He can, you can use the bully pulpit. Trump likes to talk. Trump likes to tweet. And you just got to make the case. It's, we got, he needs, I mean, not that he's whining, but, we're, you know, we're kind of whining right now. And what needs to happen is stop the whining, stop the moaning, and, the president needs to act. And if he- okay. and, but and that, if, was framed, that was framed as obstruction of justice and they'll impeach him for that. Right, but I'm saying he doesn't have to act preemptively. He doesn't have to just go and start firing people. He can start laying the case. If he's got a reason to fire Christopher Ray, how about start tweeting about it? How about make it public? Let it be known. Why is this guy a bad guy? Why does this guy need to be relieved of his duties? Lay it out there, let the people know. And when you let, when you make your case, you lay the foundation. I mean, instead of telling people, oh, trust me, this guy's a bad guy, I can get somebody better, make your case. 
Trump so can I make his case, making, and Trump is good at that. You're making a really good point, Ed, but I think that does go to Jody's question of why does it take so long? I think because until many things have happened, like beating the impeachment, et cetera, et cetera, he can't go that far. So I still think he should have done it months ago, but I think he's been kind of hemmed, hemmed in and trapped. I think he self-hems himself in. I, I really don't understand why he feels so constrained. He, he doesn't really care what people think most of the time. I don't know why in these, in these sort of really important cases, he's suddenly constrained by public opinion. The guy does things that the public doesn't necessarily agree with or that the media doesn't agree with. I mean, the media doesn't agree with tariffs. The media doesn't agree with uh, singling out China and making China into a bad guy. He does it and he does it effectively. He just needs to act. He needs to, you know, and, and even if it's prior to acting, laying the foundation, he needs to talk. He needs to do instead of just sitting there and moaning about how the press is the enemy of the people. Well, you're the goddamn president of the United States. Do something about it. So I, I really hate to argue with you and defend Trump because it's not my point because I pretty much agree with you. But I think these are the issues on which his advisors are giving him the most hell and saying, don't you dare. Just like I think they forced him to go with Fauci for the first few months of the COVID business. When he says, I'm going to do A, B, and C in this area, I think they're all over his case. And I think those are the few areas he has been cowed in. Because you're right, in most areas, he doesn't give a hoot. But I think he's been browbeaten into this to a very big extent. I, I don't have any other answer. I've got another question. Go. So uh, how does this help him? How, is, is, this, is this strictly a political maneuver uh, to expose these things? Or does this have any bearing and any uh, legal bearing down the road? Like, hey, I'm going to answer that could slightly differently. Or it, could, this, could people go to jail? And if people could go to jail because he exposed this, why is that process not already long down the road? Okay, so that process is long down the road with the supposed John Durham investigation. And that was after, who was that guy, Huber or something out west who was supposedly investigating it. And then before that was the IG report that was supposedly investigating it. So as far as legal ramifications, there should have been, and a lot of us are frustrated. But again, they browbeat the AG into saying, well, I'm not going to do anything right before the election because that wouldn't be fair. And I think they've been very successful installing the clock on that. I think politically, and this is why I tie this to our previous conversation, he seems to have a smoking gun here that Obama was briefed about all of this stuff four years ago, that Biden was briefed about this four years ago. That is a political bombshell. That should end this election tomorrow. And yet the press will not report it. And people will not believe it. And it goes back to the first half hour of the show. They will not believe it. It's in Brennan's handwriting. No, you know and what? It will not be reported. More than that, even though, because I read, I was reading how the left is basically saying this was, this was Trump's hoax, that none of this is real, that this is, this is not the Democrats, this is not about what the Democrats have done. This is, this is the Republicans creating this hoax. So, Which goes back to your question. These people aren't rational. You're, you're presenting them with evidence and they're yes. telling you just like Trump is sick it's or he's not. And that's why I said this is the same conversation. 
what well, I, you get about bombshells. I, I, and, 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 and I come into this conversation not knowing. So I, I'm coming in fluid. I don't, I don't know what's real and what's true on this subject. That's why I say I'm coming into this ignorant with questions. But, and I, I would have to be convinced one way or another with facts and with evidence. My, my distress, going back to our earlier conversation, is there are too many grown adults who refuse to function that way. Okay, that Jody, Jody, I'm going to interrupt facts you. and evidence, but dare you expect, this is Jody. what they say, I don't need facts and evidence. You and when it is that, I say, no, 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 no. I see that actual writing, I see that it's irrelevant. Jody, yeah. my disagreement with you is on two words that I believe you got wrong. And I think it goes back to the previous conversation again. These are not grown adults. Oh, we have no. raised biologically, they are children. only. No, biologically, they're adults, but it goes back to the weakness thing. It goes back to the logic versus um, emotion. Re um, argument these are not adults and your whole thing of why can't they rationalize why can't they have a, a logical conversation is because we're not dealing with adults and we have purposely created people like this just to be weak and to not be rational and no like you say you're pointing out to them this and they're saying that's trump it's the exact opposite and they're still making the argument well again, i come into this particular on this subject I, a, a blank slate, largely. I don't know what is true and what is real. I'm interested in finding out. I'm interested okay, in okay. seeing, well, going seeing back. The, 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 the discussion points. It's not a subject that interests me terribly, that I don't flow there, but if it, if it were, I would be looking for what are, the, I don't want to just hear that Comey did this and Hillary did that. And I want to know with really verifiable evidence that it's true that that is them saying that that is them doing that before I condemn them. Okay, so I'm going to roll back the tape again. As Ed quoted, Mr. Orwell, <laughs> you want to know the truth. Two plus two equals five. with it. Go I, ahead. Ed. I can't, I can't, I can't, I can't, I can't. That's not a world I can even wrap my head around that there are that many grown adults out there that it's just, it's a bizarre thing to me. I can't, I, I well, someday. You, know, Jody, you, you need to, you need to open your eyes up and be willing to acknowledge what the facts and evidence show. And I am totally willing. I, no, I require that. To, no, but, to, to well, I get that, but you're, and I'm not saying this, you'd be critical of you. I'm just saying, you're not applying that same standard to what these people are when you say that you can't get a handle on them existing. It's not for you to get a handle on it. Accept them for who they are. When people tell you who they are, believe them. And when they tell you that they're irrational, believe them and treat them that way and, and act accordingly. I just, it's so, I, it's just so. Because the facts of wow. this case, no matter what comes out from this case, the press will not report it and people no. will not believe it. And I mean, some of the stuff is as close to bombshell as you can get. It's stuff that should have been out there years ago. Schiff knew all this stuff years ago. Nunes knew all this stuff years ago. Um, some of the people in the intelligence committee that I haven't mentioned probably knew all this stuff years ago. People in the conservative press have been yelling at Trump for years. 
to declassify this stuff, like Ed said. Steve, mm -hmm. go ahead. Go, I'm sorry to interrupt. No, no, go ahead. If you want the press to report on it, have Trump, have Barr, perp walk these people out. Have him put Nuna, um Schiff in, in handcuffs. Perp walk these people out the way Giuliani perp walked out Milken and some of these other bigwigs in the big corporations, you know, when Giuliani was U.S. attorney in New York. And if you perp walk out Hillary Clinton, if you perp walk out some of these, you know, John Brennan, there's no way that they can or even would want to ignore that. Then they'll have to deal with, with the case and they'll lie and they'll try and smear, but they can't hide from, from talking about it. And it's up to Trump and Barr to lay out the evidence, make the damn case. Don't just perp walk them, make well, the case, okay. lay out the evidence and then perp walk all of them. But Barr already said he's never going to go all the way up to the top. Unfortunately, as good as Barr is, he pretty much said, you know, we're not taking this all the way. So he's never going to go along with uh, perp walking Hillary Clinton. And by the way, if I she had been perp walked for that email scandal and Benghazi, what did somebody say <laughs> when they talked about RBG's dying wish? And they said, well, the dying wish of 60 million fetuses was to be born alive. You know, this dying, the dying wish of Chris Stevens was to come home from Benghazi. But <laughs> nobody's going to go that far. So I, I wish they I would. I get it. But I'm, I'm just saying, if you, want, if, you, if you want the media to have to deal with the story, there is a way to make them have to deal with the story. Right now, they can ignore it. You know why? Because Trump is ignoring it. The Trump administration is ignoring it. If Barr is ignoring it to the extent that you just explained, Steve, well, then the media is no worse than that. If you want to make them have to deal with the story, put it in their face. Make them have to deal with it. Make these people explain exactly why they did what they did and lay the evidence out there. I mean, it's, it's not rocket science. It's just, it's got to be done. Do you think there's any possibility that there was a plan for this particular unveiling after this election and he was assuming he was going to be reelected and at this point he's concerned he might not be and so he's rolling it out now to get that ball rolling before he's out? I hope that's not it. I'm just tossing that out there. I don't think I, it's I that honestly because, want to win. I don't think it's that. I think they've already run out the clock pretty much. I I don't, I'm not cynical enough to believe that this is his October surprise. I really believe what I said before. They've been able to stall it for so long. Um, I, I kind of agree with Ed. He should make an Oval Office speech and lay out all the facts and dare everybody. Unfortunately, he's not the most eloquent person. I <laughs> wish Barr would do such a thing. Lay out all the facts and, and force it down the throat. I, what I'm going to do at the end of this show, I don't want to dox anybody but I'm going to give Ed privately Attorney General Barr's cell phone number and ask him to call him directly. <laughs> or send him a link to this episode. <laughs> no, because I, I think Barr, and Barr has a lot of guts, which is interesting. I think he has a limit what he won't go behind, but he does have a lot of guts. So I don't know. Next on the docket, I guess, right? Okay, I guess my brilliance is one. <laughs> Does anybody want to comment ahead of time? I know none of us want to play profit on the importance of tonight's debate. 
Ooh, I'm interested to hear your uh, take well, the, on it. I was thinking it was going to be really important. Now I, I don't know. I, the only thing I'm going to say is I think usually it's not the least bit important, but does anybody in this country believe Biden will serve out a full term? Oh, please, God, he's not even elected. If he's elected, does anybody believe that he I think, will serve a full term? I think if he's elected, he'll serve out a full term if he doesn't die in office. There's no reason to, for, the, for him to step down. Um, his, his dementia is such that I can't imagine he would not be forced to step down. He won't say anything. He'll he just hide him the way they're hiding him now. I don't know if he can get away with it. I know I'm, I'm going back on what I said about the press, maybe. <laughs> would you have said that he could have gotten away with campaigning the way he's campaigned? No, because we don't know if he got away because we don't know if he's going to win. But if well, he, by win. the way, I just don't see his dementia lasting four years. I absolutely know what, what, what you what would have to last for four years is what you see right now, which is constant media Democrat cover up of his state of mind and state of he would have to be a thousand times harder he, if he's president. Oh, it would be. It would be this constantly for them, which is, I'm sure, a lot of work. Now, and by the way, they have no interest in it after that. The press doesn't need him to be president. No. They need him to win the election. The press would love to have Kamala Harris be president. And by the way, I think like, you know, like Ed talks about Lenin and Stalin and purging who they purge. They would purge Biden in a second to mm -hmm. get Harris. Biden is not a true believer. She is. And he could yell and scream and stamp his feet all day and say, but you were fighting for me. I don't need to give a hoot. So I believe if he won the election, they're not, they're not interested in protecting him. What do, they, what do they care? That's my opinion. My opinion is that that would hurt the revolution if he did that, because it would open them up to charges of, of uh, hiding that before the election. And I think that they've got a built-in excuse. He, he said he's only going to serve one term. So if he wins, he really only has to serve three years because the next election cycle starts three years from now. And they'll just hide him in the in the basement the way they're hiding him now. I mean, you know, not every president is going to speak every day the way Trump does. It's just I, I, I think he would serve it out. I don't think he'll he'll be pushed out. I mean, unless he dies. I mean, unless, you know, the 25th Amendment comes into play. And if he serves it out, then who's pulling the strings? That may or may not be Kamala. That may be somebody else. It'll be whoever put Kamala in in the first place which we don't really have a name for. But I, I truly believe that this is an important debate. Also, if Pence does well, it doesn't hurt Trump at all. That's for sure. If Pence bombs for some reason, which I don't think he would, that would be really, really bad. I, what do you think of Pence as a debater, Ed? Um, I've only seen him debate a few times. I, I think that he's a good speaker, but not a great one. And it's not clear to me whether he's going to get bullied the way... Uh, Biden tried to bully Trump and the way Biden has bullied other people that he's debated in the past. Oh, uh, she's going to be worse at that. I guarantee it. Right. And she's going to, she's going to use the fact that she's a woman and that he's going to look mean, you know, look mean attacking a woman or interrupting a woman. Uh, but, you know, as far as how important it is, I, I just think that this is a turnout election. Uh, I don't think, I don't think there are, there are many undecided voters. And insofar as there's anybody undecided, I think, I don't think anyone is undecided about Trump versus Biden. I think that there are Democrats that are undecided between Biden and not voting. And then there are Republicans that are undecided, 
undecided about Trump or not voting. I don't think that anybody is is going to be persuaded one way or the other, you know, from, you know, I don't think that Pence can get anyone who's going to vote for Biden to vote for, for Trump. And I don't think Harris can get anyone who is voting for Trump to vote for Biden. Um, I think that the job of the vice presidential candidate in general is to be the attack dog. That's what I would expect tonight. I expect they'll both go after the other uh, presidential candidate pretty strongly and pretty hard. Um, I don't think it's, I don't think any of these debates are really all that important unless somebody has a Rick Perry kind of moment. If you remember Rick Perry from 2012, uh, where he had, uh, you know, a little senile moment where he said, you know, he had three things on his mind and he said, number one, number two, and then he said, oh, I forgot number three. And, you know, if Biden does something like that in one of the debates, I think that might be monumental, but short of Biden having a senile moment, I, I don't think that anything that can, that's going to happen in these debates is really going to be all that meaningful. Um, I think people, you know, people know who they want to support and um, it's going to be a turnout election. Who's going to get their voters to come out? Well, Ed, Gary, because if this is a turnout election, then they're, who knows how many they're going to turn out in their ballot harvesting. There you have it. Well, from the cemeteries. They could turn out a lot. <laughs> they could turn out a, a whole lot from the cemeteries, too. I mean, yeah, the cemeteries. They could go, go back 200 years and find dead people. Yes. Well, again, I don't want to say the reverse of what I usually say, but I would like to believe that Kamala Harris can easily overplay her hand, whether it's in tonight's debate or in the upcoming supposed hearings for Amy Coney Barrett. And I think that is a worry for the Democrats. She overplayed her hand with uh, the other Supreme Court justice hearings. And I think maybe it doesn't make a difference to anybody. I would like to believe that it would. You're probably right, it doesn't, but I would like to believe that it does. Well, I'm gonna make a prediction. Um, no matter how badly Kamala Harris does or how, whatever happens, she will be decided the winner Oh, that, that's sure already printed. I mean, it's done. Oh, that's, I know. That's the headline's sure. already printed. She is the winner, just so we all know. Yes, that, that is. we should all count how many times she says racism. Just start marking your racism, 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 racism. But there's some sexism, uh, some other isms and obias. That's just count those. That's going to be the crux of her argument. Is anybody going to ask her how it feels to run with a guy that she accused of being a segregationist? Right. Oh, no. Um, would that be Biden's intern who's going to ask that? Yeah, I don't think so. But that would be a good question to ask her. Now, so maybe that, Penn can ask her because that's a fantastic question. She's already answered it. Well, that's just politics. Well, then everything else you say is just politics. She's politics. She should be not Based trusted. on what am I voting for you? Yeah. But uh, yeah. Be trusted that what you say is true. That's insane. Well, at least you have to pretend that what you said you think. Well, no, I mean, like I, I like I, Trump because he's not a politician. Well, and as we've said throughout this whole conversation, they're not about what's true. They're true. about what works it's and true. what gets them power. It's true. Oh, it's so distressing. Okay, but I assume you guys are going to watch it. Oh, yes. of course. I'll tape it and then I can. That's I, what I, I'm going to do. I'll make ten minutes at a time. I have to. I have to watch it on my own, not live. Not live. No, I have to tape. I'll. I'll watch it either on YouTube or on. I'll tape it. And I guess I can conclude with a marriage question. Am I the only one who can't shut up during these debates and screams and yells? 
<laughs> what does that have to do with marriage? Because when you're married, they tell you you're ruining the debate. <laughs> well, we have a pause it. Don't you do that? Pause it. If you got to say something, pause it. Yeah, because I... It prolongs the show a lot because pause it. Oh, my gosh. My kids even do that. Pause it and they want to say something. They'll ask a question. Did he just say this? So we have a pause it. Yep. All righty. Any concluding thoughts, folks? Are we concluding already? Wow. Time flies. Time flies when you're having fun. Um, yeah. So I was listening. This is a subject we haven't talked about, and I don't, I'm just learning about it. We don't necessarily have to talk about it, but I was listening to a discussion on the critical race theory, and it just kind of makes me think of a little bit of this discussion today. It was brought up about how, you know, um, Blacks in America, when they were slaves, there's a reason why it was against the law to teach them how to read. If, if, if a white person was caught teaching a black person how to read, they were prosecuted for that. And it kind of comes to where we are now. There's a reason why they want people not to be focused on truth and facts, because you have a really hard time enslaving a truly educated person. And so I think that's kind of like the bottom line of what we were talking about earlier. There's a reason why not only have they kept people not focused on truth and reason and logic and evidence and reality and facts and, and, and hyped up on outrage and fear and emotion, um, it, they, have, they have created people who fight against truth and logic and reason and facts and reality and evidence. And the, the, the biggest thing for me, it's not so much that they've done it, it's that people have allowed it, that grown adults have allowed themselves to actually get to the point where they literally attack truths and facts and literally say, I don't need evidence to prove what I'm saying. That's my closing. You know, um, it's interesting when you watch the Campus Wire videos on college campuses and they ask people, what do you think about what Trump proposed? And oh my God, that's horrible. It's racist, sexist, bigoted. And they say, oh, but that's what Obama proposed. Oh, yeah. but that yeah. will never change their vote. No, it's bizarre. And that, it just gets back to that point. Mm -hmm. Ed? Well, I think I want to close by going back to this whole business of Trump not really going after Obama and Hillary and Brennan and the top members of the Obama administration. And I want to say that win or lose, I think that's going to be the key issue for Republicans in the 2024 election. Um, I circulated to the two of you and I think on my Facebook page, an article that uh, Angelo Cotavella wrote uh, earlier this month. Um, and, and it's a brilliant and very long, lengthy uh, and deep article that I highly recommend. But one of the many great points that he makes is that um, Republican voters feel like Trump has been relatively toothless, not just about Hillary and, and the Obama administration and, and uh, you know, the things we discussed in this podcast, but in going after the rioters and going after the shutdowns. Trump has been, he's been good rhetorically and he's done a lot of good generally, 
Uh, but in a lot of ways, he's been toothless. And I think that Republican voters, if Trump wins, he's a lame duck the day after he wins. And uh, the race for the next, you know, for the next Republican nomination begins. And I think that Republican voters are going to be looking for someone who's not so toothless as Trump has been domestically. And if he loses, I think that similarly, Republican voters are going to feel like, well, he just didn't do enough. He had all the cards in his hand and he just didn't play them. And I think that that's really what's going to be going forward for the Republican Party. And as much as uh, the Democrats and the media and even, you know, let's leave the partisan aside, just even the, the never Trumper types who, who are so put off by Trump's uncouthness and his blustering and his, his rudeness, I don't think they even know what's coming because I think that the next person who follows Trump is going to be way more along those lines than even Trump has been. Uh, I think that win, win or lose, Trump has shown that that's what needs to be done. And I expect that the next Republican primary process is going to be a brutal beat down process. And I think that you know, if uh, if Biden wins, regardless, we don't even know what what awful things Democrats have in store for us, whether it's in a Biden administration or if Trump wins at the governor and, and mayor mayoral level, uh, whether we're going to have more Portland's and more Minneapolis's and, and, and you know, New York's um, or, or, you know, we don't know what's coming, but some bad stuff is coming and it's going to be some Republican is going to stand up and deal with those things and, and oppose those things in a much more forceful way than anyone has done so far. Um, nobody. I mean, you know, my guy in 2016 was Ted Cruz. And, you know, Ted Cruz has supported the president and he's been a loyal conservative. And, I, you know, it's not like he's done anything that's bad, but he hasn't exactly stood up and, and loudly said that, you know, the, that what's going on is, is treason. That what's going on, you know, that we just cannot allow Democrats to burn our country down and to, sh you know, lock us out of our civil rights. Um, and, and I think that as good as Trump has been, at least domestically, he's been relatively toothless. He's been much stronger when he had to deal with, you know, the Chinese communists and the North Korean communists and dealing with Israel and Israel's neighbors. Trump has been very strong on foreign policy, but... Domestically, he's been more talk and less action. And I think that the Republican Party and the Republican voters are desperate and hungry and thirsty for somebody who will do more than talk on domestic issues, someone who will do and take action because we love our country and we see our country being destroyed and the people that are destroying it are largely getting off scot-free, whether they're rioters, whether they're Obama officials, whether they're governors, doesn't matter. None of them is being held accountable for what they're doing. And I think that's the thing that's going that's to be what defines the Republican Party going forward, regardless of how this election turns out, whether Trump wins or loses. You know, Ed, they're not just getting away with it. They're hailed as heroes in yeah. these situations.
And I think that Republican voters are infuriated and incensed by that um, in, in, a, in the oh. same kind of quiet way that they support Trump. Uh, you know, they're not Republican voters are not rioting in the streets, but in their heads, they are rioting in their heads. They are effing mad and really pissed. Mm-hmm. And, you know, they love Trump and they support Trump. But I think that they want Trump to be doing more. Mm-hmm. And I, I think that, you know, the next guy who comes along in order to the guy who's going to win next time is going to be the guy who's, who voters think will do more, not less. I, I hate to take the last word and disagree with you, but I have no choice. <laughs> I hope I hope you're right and I'm wrong. I think if Trump loses, we're going to get a John Roberts type. Who, like they say, I think it was Cruz who said, you can't be more different, John Roberts and Donald Trump. Um, and I think they're going to go the other way. But I'll leave it on a positive note and hope that you are right and that I am wrong. Let's hope he wins. And, uh, well, wins. yes, let's. Definitely hope he wins. And if I didn't live in New York, I'd say let's fight for him to win. But uh, that's for another. <laughs> that's for another time. Thank you guys so much. Um, we'll be up in about an hour on SoundCloud and iTunes. Please click. Please subscribe. And uh, thank you once again for joining us. And thank you, Ed and Jody. Thanks, everybody. Thanks, guys. Thanks, guys. Have a good week, everybody. You too.